from the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. a very good day to you, my brothers and sisters. Welcome to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and it is, as I say every day, and I mean it, a great joy to be here with you as the Lord allows us this time every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, live at 4 o'clock from our Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in beautiful downtown Ewing, New Jersey. I don't know if there is a downtown Ewing. There's a college town over there, though, by the college. They with all the little shops and restaurants that are obviously closed. Um, anyway, I'm happy to be here on this Thursday, uh, June 11th, the Feast of St. Barnabas. Um, and uh, St. Barnabas, one of the, I want to say forgotten apostles, but he's an apostle. And uh, we ha- I was so blessed today because Father um, Jason came in with uh, Coach McKenna to record some programs uh, for, for you know, upcoming programs of theirs. And we had Mass. Oh, <laughs> we had Mass. Oh, thanks be to God we had Mass and received communion. Um, but here in the chapel, of course. Um, but Father Jason was telling an interesting story about St. Barnabas, which I didn't know. I'm going to share that with you. So, Father, if you're listening, thank you for that information. Um, And then, of course, it is Catechism Day. So I thought what we'd do today, since this seems to be the topic of discussion around this entire country, um, I thought we would go to the section, and there is a section in the Catechism, uh, Part 3, Life in Christ, Section 1, Man's Vocation, Life in the Spirit, Chapter 2, The Human Communion, Article 3, Social justice. We hear the word about a lot about justice, social justice. Let's go to our catechism and see what our church teaches in the catechism about social justice. And it begins with respect for the human person. So we'll get to that later on during our catechism segment. Before we do that, though, my brothers and sisters, I am inviting you, as I do every day that we start our time together, to pray wherever you are. Um, I'm getting out my text here because I did receive a text from uh, Brian Middleton, Maria's dad. Um, so keep this intention in your prayer, my friends. Maria is our young friend, Maria, who has the tumor on her brainstem, still in the hospital. Uh, her dad says, Maria keeps fighting. Her strength, will, and trust in the Lord is beyond understanding. We are certainly in a difficult place. She's breathing okay, but can't swallow or cough well enough to clear secretions. And today, now this is this morning, I haven't heard since I got this uh, about six hours ago. Today we'll be discussing options to try to get her home. And he said we are clearly at the end of the road medically. We need God to step in. So we're going to continue to pray that God's will be done. We're praying for a miracle of the most extraordinary kind. And we know that nothing is impossible with God. So join me, my friends, in praying for this beautiful young woman uh, and her family. 
as her dad said, they've reached the end of the line medically. There's nothing else medically that can be done. So the divine physician needs to come in and heal if it be God's will. So that intention, of course, we're going to pray for peace in our country, peace in the world. Uh, We need to pray for sensibility. (laughs) We need to pray for people to have common sense. We need to pray for people to be enlightened with and understand actual truth. And, of course, we pray for our, our uh, political leaders, those people that we put in those positions who work for us to do the right thing. You know, we have to always remember, and I don't have to tell you because you're good Americans, that this country is as a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. And those individuals who are in elected office are there to serve the people, not to uh, serve themselves. And uh, so we got to pray. Pray for our president, especially, and all those who advise him. Uh, Pray for our governors, and all those who advise them, uh, just need to pray. Just pray hard for the entire situation. And pray for peace. Pray for people, again, to be enlightened with truth. And to, 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 to once again embrace a spirit of mutual love for our fellow human beings. That's what it comes down to. So we pray for that. We're praying for an end, complete end, to the pandemic to the coronavirus. Now we, we've, you know, obviously seen things begin to reopen and the statistics of, of new cases and deaths are down in most areas. However, we are starting to see in some states, Texas, Arizona, I think Florida, uh, increase in those cases. So let's just pray that this thing completely disappears, that God takes it and casts it off the planet so we can get back to normal. Let's begin, my friends, as we begin all good things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We fly to your protection, O Holy Mother of God, in the present tragic situation when the whole world is prey to suffering and anxiety. We fly to you, Mother of God and our Mother, and seek refuge under your protection. Virgin Mary, turn your merciful eyes toward us amid this coronavirus pandemic. Comfort those who are distraught and mourn their loved ones and who have died and at a time at, at times are buried in a way that grieves them deeply. Be close to those who are concerned for their loved ones who are sick and who, in order to prevent the spread of the disease, cannot be close to them. Fill with hope those who are troubled by the uncertainty of the future and the consequences for the economy and employment. Mother of God and our Mother, pray for us to God, the Father of mercies, that this great suffering may end and that hope and peace may dawn anew. Plead with your divine Son as you did at Cana so that the families of the sick and the victims be comforted and their hearts be opened to confidence and trust. Protect those doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, volunteers, and all who are on the front lines of this emergency and are asking, are risking their lives to save others. Support their heroic efforts and grant them strength, generosity, and continued health. 
Be close to those who assist the sick night and day, and to priests who in their pastoral concern and fidelity to the, to the gospel are trying to help and support everyone. Blessed Virgin, illumine the minds of men and women engaged in scientific research that they may find effective solutions to overcome this virus. Support national leaders that with wisdom, solicitude, and generosity, they may come to the aid of those lacking the basic necessities of life and may devise social and economic solutions inspired by farsightedness and solidarity. Mary, most holy, stir our consciences so that the enormous funds invested in developing and stockpiling arms will instead be spent on promoting effective research on how to prevent similar tragedies from occurring in the future. Beloved Mother, help us realize that we are members of one great family and to recognize the bond that unites us so that in a spirit of fraternity and solidarity, we can help to alleviate countless situations of poverty and need, make us strong in faith, persevering in service, constant in prayer. Mary, consolation of the afflicted, embrace all your children in distress and pray that God will stretch out his all-powerful hand and free us from this terrible pandemic so that life can serenely resume its normal course. To you who shine on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope, do we entrust ourselves, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. And we pray our prayers, my friends, to St. Michael the Archangel and the beautiful Subtum Presidium prayer to our Blessed Mother, as Holy Father asked us to pray for the specific intention of protecting the Church from the attacks of the devil. So we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And our subtum presidium prayer, we fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. And today, St. Barnabas, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And again, my friends, I thank you so much for praying together. Uh, already here we are Thursday. My goodness, the week just kind of shoots right by, doesn't it? How fast does time fly? Uh, this coming Monday, which is um, June 15th, it'll be the third Monday in June, and that means that Bruce Tobacco will be here uh, with his program live at 3 o'clock, Come to the Throne. It's an hour of prayer, and oh boy, do we need prayer so uh, I hope that many of you will call in to pray with Bruce over the air. You know, it doesn't even be an intention of your own personally, but maybe just to call in and pray together for the situation in our world or for, uh, you know, an individual uh, public figure, our president, uh, the police, pray for them, my goodness, under such horrible attack. So anyway, that's this coming Monday live at 3 o'clock you can also, in advance of the program, uh, send me your prayer requests, and I'll have them here for Bruce when he comes. Uh, you can email pray at domesticchurchmedia.org. That's pray at 
domesticchurchmedia.org. And we'll be happy to have those prayer requests here for you. Uh, for Bruce, I should say. Um, just kind of update on what's happening here um, at Domestic Church Media. We've had a couple of issues. And, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another. Um, but sadly, uh, the Cape May station, we did have an issue with the transmitter down there. That transmitter is out for repair. There's a temporary transmitter down there now um, transmitting our signal in the Cape May area, but at less power because it's a smaller transmitter. Our transmitter that's being repaired should be back in a, in a couple of weeks, uh, they say, uh, fully repaired. And I think I was told that's about $600, which isn't that bad, but I don't believe we have budgeted for that. The far more concerning situation is here at 1260. This is where our main studios are in Ewing at 1260 a.m., where our transmitter, our AM transmitter, um, last week, or was it last week we had that big storm that, uh, yeah, uh, anyway, there was a lightning strike or something that hit it, however it did, that blew out um, what they call a power amp or something, a module, I don't know, I'm not a technician here, but I'm told that that went out. The transmitter here at 1260 AM is over 30 years old. So, you know, you recall back in in the winter, we were very blessed to have received a generous donation from one of my board members to buy a brand new control board here in the studio, which it, it too was about 30 years old. Um, but anyway, the transmitter situation is 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 bleak. The part is out for repair. We're waiting to hear from the manufacturer if it can be repaired or replaced because the transmitter is so old. Um we're not sure. So right now we're kind of flying on one engine, less than one engine, basically, here at 1260. We're down to, I think, 1,500 watts only, um, which is, I think, less than our nighttime signal. If we can't have that module repaired, we're going to have to buy a new transmitter. And that's a problem because a new transmitter costs around $30,000. So just, I should have put, I should have put this out that we were praying, but keep that in your prayers. God's will be done in all things. Um, we didn't have our radiothon. We're going to have it in the spring, in the fall. And maybe that'll have to be the, the goal is to raise, you know, that money and more to, to get that new transmitter. And uh, anyway, keep that in prayer. But if you are a regular listener to 1260, You'll notice the signal quality and strength is not what it should be. That's because we're, as I said, flying on a wing and a prayer here after the lightning strike last week. So we're waiting to hear from the manufacturer if we can repair this piece. And even if we can, is it worth the expense to have it repaired for a 30-year-old transmitter? So anyway, that's this is my dilemma today. <laughs> this is... This is what I'm dealing with today, mentally and emotionally. Um, so keep that in prayer, my friends. You know, I know the stock market tanked today. <laughs> um, it had been really on a, an upswing the past uh, few days, but it did go down today, as I understand. 
Um, so I know that, you know, some people who have the means to maybe even underwrite that transmitter are a little bit cautious right now, the way the stock market is. But anyway, just pray about that. Now, talking about money, uh, I didn't know this about St. Barnabas and Father Jason Korzynski, who, who was here this morning to record a couple of programs. And as I said, very blessed. When Father Jason comes, we can have mass here in our chapel, private mass. And uh, so we had mass this morning. I say we, Father Jason, Coach McKenna, and me. That was it uh, because they came to record their program. Um, Feast of St. Barnabas. I didn't know this. Father Jason, in his little homily that he gave us this morning at Mass, um, said that St. Barnabas um, was a very wealthy man. And when he uh, received the call to become an apostle, he sold everything he had and gave it to the mission. (laughs) Gave it to Jesus, basically. And so he under kind of underwrote those uh, our Lord's public ministry. That's that that's how they had some some uh, operating funds. <laughs> so that's what I need. I need a Saint Barnabas. I need a Saint Barnabas to uh you don't have to sell everything, but <laughs> maybe sell a few stocks and bonds when the market is a little better and uh help me get a new transmitter here at the AM station. I said, uh, Nick, our engineer, said it's about $30,000. So uh, I do need a St. Barnabas. But that, I, I had never heard that story, though. St. Barnabas uh, had, was a, a wealthy man and sold everything when he became an apostle and gave it to uh, our Lord and, and for the mission, for the, uh, the ministry, which is great. So anyway, we should all be like St. Barnabas. Uh, did you know that President Trump tweeted uh, yesterday that he was honored by a letter written to him by the former Apostolic Nuncio Archbishop Vigano, which warned the president against secular and ecclesiastical agents of an atheistic, globalist, new world order. I'm sure many of you, or most of you, have read that letter from Archbishop Vigano to President Trump. Very powerful letter as it regards the state of the country, the deep state. And we're seeing a lot, of, a lot of that deep state that was so well hidden for so many years. We're starting to see little pop-ups of evidence of this, more evidence each day. But anyway, Cardinal, I'm sorry, Archbishop Vigano wrote the letter to the president and warned him. Uh, but President... Trump yesterday tweeted, he said, so honored by Archbishop Vigano's incredible letter to me. I hope everyone, religious or not, reads it. So the question was, when Archbishop Vigano wrote the letter, would the president even receive it? Well, obviously he did. And he responded by a tweet and encouraged everyone, he said, whether religious or not, read the letter. So if you haven't read it, you can find it anywhere online. Just type, you know, Google Archbishop Vigano letter to President Trump and you'll find it. Um, Archbishop Vigano is someone who, uh, you know, obviously has stirred up 
the pot a little bit over the past couple of years. Um, he did at one point call for the resignation of Pope Francis, claiming that Pope Francis had hidden information about Cardinal McCarrick. And um, anyway, he's he's gotten some press. He's gotten some press. I think what he wrote to the president about the deep state in this country, the battle between good and evil, was spot on. He went on to talk about a deep state in the church. Um, and I, I agree. And I, I, but I think there's been a deep state in the church since Judas. It's always there, always has been there down through the centuries, but we have to believe that God is in control and the Holy Spirit leads Mother Church and especially through uh, the Vicar of Christ um, through these very difficult times. One thing, though, I didn't know about Archbishop Vigano was that about a month ago, or almost two months ago, April 22nd, he gave an interview in which... Um, he questioned the third, the legitimacy of the third secret of Fatima as was made public by St. Pope John Paul II. Um, which I didn't, I don't believe. I think John Paul II released that third secret when he did. Uh, was it 2002, around that time? Um, and he revealed it. Uh, Lucia, St. Lucia, Sister Lucia, I should say, uh, said it was the letter. Um, and then also St. Pope John Paul II made the consecration of the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And, you know, one of Our Lady's requests at Fatima was to have Russia consecrated to her Immaculate Heart. Well, John Paul II, in his consecration, I've read, I've shared with you his homily from that day, uh, consecrated the entire world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Archbishop Vigano, in this interview, claims that that did not fulfill Our Lady's request. This is just a month and a half ago that Archbishop Vigano is saying these things, about basically saying that John Paul II and Pope Benedict, who later verified everything, basically saying that they're not telling the weren't telling the truth. So... I have to question uh, this, and I think you need to question it as well. If John Paul II said yes, because this is the actual third secret, and Lucia said yes, that is the actual third secret, and uh, John Paul II consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and Lucia said that did fulfill Our Lady's request, why would we doubt? Archbishop Vigano is saying that there was a under, uh, uh, there were members of the Vatican who were were telling John Paul you can't specifically mention Russia because uh, you know we're trying to re- retain diplomatic uh, relations with them or whatever the situation was. I just can't imagine John Paul to kowtowing to anybody and doing what other people tell him to do against his will when he was pope. I just I just can't. If if you and I didn't know him personally, obviously, but if you read about John Paul II and Card, uh, Cardinal Votiwa and his entire life, John Paul was a man of his word, 
and I don't believe that he would not tell the truth because someone else told him we have to, you know, do this. Anyway, I just I just don't buy it. So that being said, um, you know, we have to be careful about our sources of information. We have to be careful about where we get our quote-unquote facts because you know as well as I there's fake news. And, and my brothers and sisters, there's fake news in Catholic circles as well. There are some websites out there that, and I can think of two in particular, that I don't even look at because I know there's an agenda. And there's a spin to every bit of information or most information they put out under the banner of being an authentic, traditional Catholic uh, media source. So we have to be careful. And, you know, I, I, uh, and I, I know that we can, you know, we have a lot of division in this, in this area. But the bottom line in all of this is, and I, I remember hearing, God bless him, for 20 years, he was a wonderful preacher and leader in our church, and we knew him personally, uh, Father Karapi, who's been out of action now for almost 10 years. I don't know where he is. I, I've not communicated with him. Uh, we don't play his stuff anymore because, you know, he, he the whole situation that he— uh, how his his ministry ended. But I remember in one of his teachings one time, and, and, you know, for 20 years, Father Karapi was, I mean, he brought so many people into the faith because it was determined that he had the uh, gift of apostolic preaching. That being, when he preached, you, you didn't question it because you knew it was truth. Unfortunately, you know, now we had him uh, at our um, conference up at the Prudential Center in Newark in October of 2010. That was his last public appearance. And then, of course, he was accused of of, uh, inappropriate behavior and and drug use, etc. I don't know where he is now. We pray for him. I've heard rumors that he's back in community in in monastic life. I don't know. I don't know. The, I don't know. But anyway, for twenty years he was he was he was a light in our church, a very bright light in our church. But I remember him one time saying that in these days of confusion, and this was fifteen twenty years ago, and it's even gotten more confusing now. But in these days of confusion, he said, "Stay with the bark of Peter." the bark, the boat of Peter. He said, because if you go too far to the right or too far to the left on the boat and go overboard, whether it be on the right or the left, you'll find yourself in perilous waters. And I never forgot that. Just stay with Peter. You know, this particular Holy Father is not uh, popular with a lot of people. I know that. 
and I don't agree when he teaches about, you know, the environmental issues and the, the, or the climate change, whatever he's, but that's not church teaching. So that's his opinion. When it comes to faith and morals, he is right on. <laughs> when it comes to, uh, again, I can only use an example, most recently, his, his worldwide holy hour, uh, his worldwide rosary. I mean, he's, he's all of, just embracing these beautiful Catholic traditions and realities and truths that's what you focus on. Like I said, when he talks about climate change or talks about uh, you know, like economies and things, he comes from a different land, a different world. And that's his opinion. It's not church teaching. You don't have to follow him on that. But listen and watch what he does when it comes to the true uh, practice of our faith. And I have to say, just again, getting back to what, what, what Father Karapi said years ago, stay on the bark of Peter. Just stay there with the Holy Father, the Vicar of Christ. Look at him. If this Holy Father is not meant to be Holy Father, don't you think God can take care of that? But right now he's here. He's our Holy Father. And there's so much going on. And have to remember, on the, on the, on the bark, on the boat of Peter— if you go too far to the right or too far to the left and go overboard, either way, you're in very, very dangerous waters. Stay on the boat. Stay on the bark. Okay, I'll take a break. When I come back, uh, we're going to go to the catechism and in keeping with the topic of the day around the country, we're going to go to the catechism's teaching on social justice, respect for the human person. So stay where you are, my friends. There's more to come. On Come To Me, I'll be right back. Paul II stated that, for the disciple of Christ, evangelization is a duty, an obligation of love. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that evangelization is necessary for salvation. So we know we're called, but how do we do it? St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. To learn more, contact us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, go 
Go to goodshop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit goodshop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your Internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's goodshop.com and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. Goodshop.com. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. The Eucharist is the greatest of all the sacraments because it contains in a substantial way the person of Christ who is the author of life. It is the one sacrament to which all of the other sacraments look. Imagine six arrows in a circle, all pointing to a center. The center is the Eucharist. The six arrows are the other sacraments. The Eucharist is the sun around which the other sacraments revolve as planets. All the other sacraments share in its power, and they perfect themselves in the celebration of the Eucharist. It is a sacrament that is so sublime that human reason could never guess at it. Divine love is far deeper than we know. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There are six billion people, and we've got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by that. Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media? P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628. Or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. From Moorestown to Manilokan. Bedminster to Brick. Freehold to Fort Dix. Ringo's to Roosevelt. From Old Bridge to Oceanport. Red Bank to Rocky Hill. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. All righty, welcome back on this June 11th, the Feast of St. Barnabas, Apostle. And one other thing about St. Barnabas, uh, Father pointed out this morning, was that um, you don't really hear a lot about Barnabas or associate him with being an apostle a lot of times because he actually was involved with the Eastern Church. So anyway, we go to St. Barnabas today and ask him to pray for us in all things. But as I said... And I didn't know this, that St. Barnabas was a very wealthy man and sold everything he had and gave it to our Lord for his public ministry. Hmm. And if you're just joining me, you're, I'll share with you again. Um, we're having an issue here with our 1260 AM transmitter. Um, over 30 years old. Had some damage last week during the storm from uh, lightning or whatever the situation was, however it happened. Uh, looks like 
if we can't get the part repaired. And right now we're flying, we are flying on on a wing and a prayer. We're down to, I think, about less than 2,000 watts. We're normally at 6,000, 1260, because of the transmitter situation. So we may, if we can't get the part repaired, have to purchase a new one if we want to keep 1260 on the air. I mean, we don't have a transmitter. We're not on the air. Uh, and that transmitter would go for about $30,000. So I need a bar, St. Barnabas. You don't have to sell everything, just a few things maybe, and give it, uh, donate it to uh, domestic church media and get a nice tax write-off. Um, but without a transmitter, we're not on 1260. So we're on now. We're flying uh, on very low power. Uh, but if we can't get this part repaired, we're going to have to buy a new one in order to stay on 1260 AM. So I know you want 1260 to stay here. So we might have to have a summertime major fundraiser somehow. Well, we'll, we'll I'll keep you posted. I just pray. The Lord will take He always takes care of us. But, you know, as I said, I've shared this story so many times, but it's it's worth repeating. Uh, Father Groeschel of happy memory, God rest his soul. His His voice still rings in my ear. Jim, the Lord will always take you right to the edge. He does it to me all the time, he would say. So we're at the edge again. (laughs) But I've learned that, you know, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, Jim. St. John Paul would say to us, the Lord will take care of us through your kindness, your generosity. But as I said, on this, the feast day of St. Barnabas, who sold everything he had, when he became an apostle and gave it to, to the Lord for his work. Maybe there's a St. Barnabas out there who can sell something <laughs> and donate $30,000 to help us buy a new transmitter. I don't know. But, you know, think about this. Someone who's looking to make a lifetime legacy gift. Think of, think of this. If you made a donation to purchase a, a new transmitter for us here, which will last another 30 years, last longer than I'm going to even be around here, I'm sure, that for those, all that time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the gospel being broadcast and proclaimed because of you. You put that transmitter here in our building and allowed the voice of Christ to be proclaimed over such a wide area here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. It'll be because of you and your family. What a great legacy that is. So you think about $30,000 is a lot of money, a lot of money. But think of what that $30,000 will do. It'll, for years to come, allow the gospel to be proclaimed over a very wide area here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and New Jersey and the part of Pennsylvania that it reaches, they need to hear the gospel. Let me tell you this. <laughs> New Jersey needs to hear the gospel broadcast proclaimed. So pray about that. <clears throat> Maybe there's someone listening, <clears throat> as I said, who who has the, uh, the ability, has been praying about making a legacy gift to domestic church media. As I shared with you, our transmitter was uh, severely damaged last week by the storm. We're at very low power right now at 1260 a.m. 
in order to get back to the 6,000 watts of power that we have that will take us all over the place, we probably will need a new transmitter. And that costs about $30,000. But as I just said, what a great legacy that would be for you and your family to be the ones, to be the ones that have made a, a very generous donation of thirty grand that allows a transmitter to be put in this building to broadcast and proclaim the gospel for years and years and years to come, probably longer than even you'll be here. I know it's longer than I'll be here. But what a great gift to the Lord. What a great gift. So pray about that. I'm just feeling, I'm feeling that there's someone out there listening saying, you know, I can do this, and it really wouldn't hurt me. What a great gift that would be to, to Jesus. So I throw it out there. That's the story of my life. Duke and Altum cast out into the deep. That's what I do. <laughs> That's what I try to do best. Uh, maybe you know somebody who has that kind of dough. Anyway, let's go to the catechism. Uh, and I thought in the situation we find ourselves in, um, you just, you got to pray, you know. And here in, in the catechism, In part three of the Catechism, Life in Christ, the first section, Man's Vocation, Life in the Spirit, Chapter 2, The Human Communion, Article 3, Social Justice, Our Catechism Teaches. Society ensures social justice when it provides the conditions that allow associations or individuals to obtain what is their due according to their nature and their vocation. Social justice is linked to the common good and the exercise of authority. Have you been reminiscing about the past? You know, I I just think how much things have changed in the past four months only. Think about what is just almost a topsy-turvy inversion of what we were just four or five months ago. And maybe it's me. I don't know. I, I, You know, we were always taught to love everybody. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It doesn't say only love the ones who are like you, same color, same nationality, same creed, or whatever, same sex, whatever. Love everybody. Now, I've said this before. I've heard many people say it as well. You know, Jesus said we have to love each other. He didn't say we have to like each other. (laughs) There are going to be people in this world who we just, for whatever reason, we clash. I don't really like that person, but I have to love them. And what does that mean, to love somebody? It means you want the best for them. What's the best thing you could hope for for any, any one person is that one day I'm going to see you in heaven. That's the ultimate. And so no matter whether we like them or not, we have to love them. Don't you pray that your enemies one day will be in heaven? I hope you do. Jesus said, love your enemies. Help them get to heaven. Love the strangers. There are people who 
you know, you're driving in your car, a stranger cuts you off, and you shake your fist or something else at them. And, but, you know, we're called to love them. And I'm just as guilty as the next person. <laughs> but that's the bottom line. Society ensures social justice when it provides the conditions that allow associations or individuals to obtain what is their due according to their nature and their vocation. Social justice is linked to the common good and the exercise of authority. And then the first part of this, Article 3, talks and teaches about respect for the human person. Our Catechism of the Catholic Church says, Social justice can be obtained only in respecting the transcendent dignity of man. The person represents the ultimate end of society, which is ordered to him. What is at stake is the dignity of the human person whose defense and promotion have been entrusted to us by the Creator, and to whom the men and women at every moment of history are strictly and responsibly in debt. This is why it's so hard to... For me, and I'm sure for you, to deal with division, whether it be division in the family, division in the workplace, division in the parish, the diocese, the universal church, division in the country, division in our community, division in the state, division in politics. If there's, there needs to be a mutual respect for the dignity of every person even if we don't agree with them. That's not easy sometimes, but it is required. I I think what I find today, and you may notice this too, I'm sure you do, that it used to be if if you disagreed with someone politically, it wasn't a cause of permanent division. People would accept your differences. They would accept each other's differences. Because inherent in each one of us is the knowledge that we have to respect the dignity of every person. And so today the problem is if you don't agree with someone... On, especially politically these days, and I think it's more one side than the other, I find anyway, and, and I may be wrong, but I, I do find that if, you know, I, I had a, we had a, uh, every year, maybe twice a year now we're doing it, uh, my, some of my high school friends and I, we, we, we all get together, the couples, you know, most of us. My, I look back on my, my education uh, you know, and I grew up in the New Brunswick area, so I went to St. Peter's Elementary School and St. Peter's High School. And we're still friends with people that I've known since we were, you know, eight, nine years old. We're still friends. But there's a lot of difference as far as political, even religious viewpoints go. These are people who are all raised Catholic, but sadly, a good number of them don't go to Mass anymore, don't go to church anymore, don't consider themselves Catholic. I still associate with them. 
they're still they're still friends. And what good would it do if I said, well, you're not, you know, you've left the church. I'm gonna I'm not gonna be your friend anymore. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna associate. I have to give that witness. And even politically, they, we don't agree. Most most of my friends from those years, high school years, grammar school, high school years, they're off in a different. They're 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 not as they're not conservative. Let's put it that way, as conservative as I am, perhaps. And they're certainly not members of uh, the Republican Party. And that's just politics. But it doesn't mean I don't like them. But I find that. When you deal with some of our more liberal friends, they they have a hard time tolerating you if you say that you support the president on certain issues or support the president at all. And this is the problem. Because social justice demands that we, we respect the transcendent dignity of each other. So you hear the term of social justice being thrown around so lightly and loosely and, and you know, we need justice, we need social justice— that means that you have to respect the dignity of everybody, not just those who believe the same way you do, whether it be politics or religion or anything else. Everybody. In paragraph 1930 in our catechism, it says, respect for the human person entails respect for the rights that flow from his dignity as a creature. These rights are prior to society and must be recognized, it, uh, recognized by it. They are the basis of the moral legitimacy of every authority. By flouting them or refusing to recognize them in its positive legislation, a society undermines its own moral legitimacy. If it does not respect them, authority can only rely on force or violence to obtain obedience from its subjects. And then it says, It is the church's role to remind men of goodwill of these rights and to distinguish them from unwarranted or false claims. So the church needs to speak out when there are injustices being done. The church needs to speak out against uh, offenses against social justice. But it does say, our catechism says, that respect for the human person entails respects for the rights that flow from his dignity as a creature. These rights are prior to society and must be recognized by it. They are the basis of the moral legitimacy of every authority. By flouting them or refusing to recognize them in its positive legislation, a society undermines its own moral legitimacy. If it does not respect them, Authority can only rely on force or violence to obtain obedience from its subjects. And then I listen carefully. And again, this is paragraph 1930. You know, if you want a little something to do in your stay-at-home time, turn off the TV, read the catechism. Go to start with paragraph. That's what I'm doing now. Go with, to paragraph 1929 and start reading about respect for the human person. And paragraph 1930, where it says, It is the church's role to remind men of goodwill of these rights and to distinguish them from unwarranted or false claims. 1931 says, Respect for the human person proceeds by way of respect for the principle that 
everyone should look upon his neighbor, without exception, as another self. Above all, bearing in mind his life and the means necessary for living it with dignity. No legislation could by itself do away with the fears, prejudices, and attitudes of pride and selfishness which obstruct the establishment of truly fraternal societies. Such behavior will cause only through the charity that finds it uh, finds in every man a neighbor, a brother. I'm sorry, such behavior will cease only through uh, the charity that finds in every man a neighbor or brother. So, we, as the Catechism says, have to look upon our neighbor. Remember when our Lord was asked the question, who is my neighbor? And then he told the story of the uh, Good Samaritan. We have to look upon our neighbor, without exception, the Catechism says, this is right in our Catechism, as another self. And wouldn't the world be a marvelous place if we did that? Above all, bearing in mind his life and the means necessary for living it with dignity. Paragraph 1932 says, The duty of making oneself a neighbor to others and actively serving them becomes even more urgent when it involves the disadvantaged in whatever area this may be. The church has always been there to uh, exhibit charity, to practice charity. And then paragraph 1933 says, the same duty extends to those who think or act differently from us. The teaching of Christ goes far as to require the forgiveness of offenses. He extends the commandment of love, which is that of the new law, to all enemies. Liberation in the spirit of the gospel is incompatible with hatred of one's enemy as a person but not with hatred of the evil that he does as an enemy. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Has that become too cliched that we, we take it so lightly? But again, it's right here in the teaching of our church in the Catechism, paragraph 1933, that we are all called to look at, and I love that teaching there, to see everybody else as another self. See our, our humanity and, and brothers and sisters. When we say that, we really are speaking literally because we are all children of one God. And so as children of God the Father, we are all brothers and sisters there in the Lord. And even though we may be at polar opposites from people, whether it be family or friends or co-workers, neighbors, we are called to, sh- to show and respect for the dignity of every person. It's not always easy, especially if they're not showing it back to you. That becomes then where our Lord said, well, turn the other cheek. 
All right. You certainly don't put up with abuse, physical or otherwise, but but you have an obligation at least to love. And again, what does it mean to love somebody? It means you want the best for them. And the best we can pray for anybody is that one day they will be in heaven. That's love. So today we went to the Catechism, paragraphs 1929 to 1933. Respect for the human person. We're hearing a lot about that these days. We're seeing a lot about it and and watching a lot about it. Go to our Catechism and see what the Church teaches. And you won't be surprised. You know this. You know. You know this. I, we don't need to have the catechism tell us this. But it's a good lesson to remind us. And next week we'll go to the next section: equality and differences among men. Well, that's our problem today, isn't it? A, an inequality, perhaps, and certainly the differences that we have with each other. And how do we deal with that? Why are we in the situation we're in today is because we're not dealing with it through charity or as a Christian, not we personally, but the world itself. Okay, that means I have to go. Uh, hey, Cheryl and I will be here tomorrow at 4 o'clock, Friday Live. I have a lovely show lined up for you, so I hope you can come back then at 4. Um, until then, my brothers and sisters, have a great rest of your day. And uh, let's pray for each other. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you and God love you. you.